Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Justin Brown. So it's about taking that step back. What would I look for for this? What are people actually searching for? And YouTube and Google, they tell you what people are typing in. So for us, we're looking at how many people are searching for this thing or what are they searching for and how many per month? And is it worth us making a video on this? Do we want to be shown for this? And this is, you know, if you're building it for your business, it's like, what do I want to show up for? And my potential clients, customers, when they've got pains, problems, questions, and they're going to Google or YouTube to search for them, who's showing up and how do I make sure it's me? Hi there, my name is Bob Gentle and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show where every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing and monetizing your expertise, intentionally growing a unique personal brand and a mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device in your hand, then hit subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode. And if you're a regular listener, then consider sharing this show with just one person. It's the very best way you can help me grow the show and help me reach more people. So video triggers more action than any other content format. I know this from experience, but it's a big investment of time and effort. So you want to make sure you're getting the most possible from your time. Making good video matters, but what happens after you stop recording is just as important. So this week, it is my very great pleasure to welcome Justin Brown to the show. Thank you very much for having me on. I honestly am probably more excited about meeting you than I would be about meeting Santa. But for the listener, <laughs> That's a big call. That's a big call. <laughs> but for the listener who's meeting you for the first time, Justin, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Yeah thank, well, yeah, thank you very much for having me here. So my name is Justin. I run a YouTube channel with my brother, Mike. It's all around helping people get the most out of creating video for their business or how they can build their presence online because there's too many people out there that are making the whole thing a big deal and, and trying things and it's not working. And, and we've, we've been there. So we want to save people all the lessons and things that we had to learn the hard way so they can create better videos faster, have the impact, have views, have clients, customers find them, but also then look at the monetization side of that too. I'm relatively new to YouTube, but a lot of people would I guess everything's on sliding scale. A lot of people talk about the first 100 videos on YouTube. That is exactly where I am right now. It's probably just around 100 videos. A lot of people just starting out, they may be at two or three videos. And I think what would be really nice today is to look at how can we make that first 100 as easy as possible and as productive as possible. So what are sort of the, the common... When people meet you and they meet Primal Video for the first time, where are they often in their in their YouTube journey? Yeah, I guess there's a, there's a big mix because there's, I mean, it is one of the most, I'd say, like sought after platforms that people want to be on. Uh, a lot of people obviously have have the the consumer side of it as well, using YouTube just to consume content. But it is one that a lot of people struggle to grow with, and that's because there is so much content on there. But there's also a lot of misinformation as well as to what you've actually got to do. And I remember when we started. So we're coming up on eight years for our YouTube journey. And there was information and the experts out there were saying that you needed to do daily videos or upload three times a week. I mean, I'm a video person. I love making videos, but I couldn't imagine having to do it every single day. You would lose the fun. It would lose, you know, I would stop. Let's put it that way. So we've got to look at all of that and say, what's the goal? What's the goal for you personally? What do you want to commit to? Because you, you've got to enjoy it. YouTube is the long game. 
you might upload a video, get you know a certain amount of views on Facebook or Instagram or something, uh, and then you put the same video up on YouTube, and you might not get that traction straight away. But what you'll find is that the length or the the time that your content can perform on YouTube is really measured in years, not in days or weeks. Or sometimes, if you're lucky, you can get a post that goes on Instagram for a month or something like that. Right on YouTube, we've got content that's coming up on eight years old. We're still getting thousands of views a day, still having a ton of impact, still bringing in revenue from that, still helping people with that content when they're consuming it, like from from no extra work for us. So that's where I think. The strategy on YouTube is different. It's not about more content. It's not about hustling and grinding and working your ass off. It's about being strategic and being smart. So, so we tried to work out how we could upload just one video a week. Right? But how do we make that one video something that we know is going to work, something we know is something that people actually want? So we're not just coming up with random ideas. You could do that. But that's, that's where you're relying on a video to go viral. That's hard to replicate. So we've been on this journey to try and figure out a strategy of how we could you know, get the 80-20. How do we get one video a week to, to have the impact and growth and return for the business that we're after? Because YouTube for us, I, I don't resonate with the term YouTuber. It's a business tool for us. It allows us to help a lot of people to show up when people have questions or problems that hopefully our videos show up, but then it, it brings in the revenue and, and has the impact there as well. So that's kind of, I don't believe that to your question, 100 videos, it's another thing. I don't believe that more content equals more results. So there's people out there and in peers of ours that say things like you, you, you really haven't learned anything until you've done a thousand videos, until you've got a thousand videos under your belt. I mean, we don't have a thousand videos. I think we have about 450 videos and we've hit 1.3 million subscribers. So again, it's not about just throwing a heap of stuff up there and seeing what sticks. It's, it's about trying to have those learning cycles quicker to, to, to fail and learn fast. Uh, and, and tweak and adjust along the way. And that's what we've been doing for the last, yeah, eight years. So one of the things that I often wonder about is when you come to YouTube, and I think this is probably true of most people, you think, ooh, I could make a video about this, this, and this, because this is what I think is important to express out into the world. But that's not necessarily the kind of video that's going to get found. So how do you strike the balance between what you want to say and what will actually rank that's a really good question and this is where we struggled for so long because i i mean i have a video background and like for all of us we're we're we've all got our own knowledge our own expertise and we have information that we we know people need that you know if people just knew this they'll be so much better off so we start as that's our starting point for creating videos from that place like people need to know this but the problem is those videos are very hard for people to find because they don't know about that solution. They're back over typing in about their pain or problem that they have looking for that solution. So there's a big distinction around creating content, talking about the solution, which is where most people gravitate to and, and, and where we did to start with, and people talking and, and gravitating to around the problem, the pain, the problem. Remember, YouTube is a search engine, just like Google. People go there for free stuff to try and self-diagnose or to, to you know DIY something or to figure something out. They go there for free to, to, to find that. So you need to really start with some research up front to see what are people searching for. Or even if it is something where, where you know you want to talk about this topic, what would you search for to find that? That's a great little exercise to then start to work out, well, what is the bigger pain or problem or, or, or thing that I'm solving here 
and let's let's title the video that, and then I can introduce them to the solution that I that I know that they need, and there's going to be a game changer for them. So so for us, yeah, we, we started talking about the solution instead of the problem, and those videos tanked, and it wasn't growing our channels. It took us a long time for uh, for us to get traction with that way. So I'm, I'm identifying with that a lot because I think you're right. We automatically go to the solution, but the problem is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So you need to go to the pain first. Yeah, that just makes so much sense. So a quick, quick example on that is, so, and this is one from sort of my world teaching video editing, right? We could title a video around color grading or color correcting. Uh, we could title it color correcting tutorial or color grading tutorial. And that's probably what it would be called in the industry is color grading, right? So some people might find that video, but what about the much broader community, much broader group of people that would love that exact same video? What's the pain or problem that they have that that video is going to solve? And it's how to fix the colors in my video. So the content is exactly the same, color grading, color correcting tutorial, but we're going to show up for a lot more people how to fix the colors in my video, even though the content wouldn't change at all. So it's about taking that step back. What would I look for for this? What are people actually searching for? And YouTube and Google, they tell you what people are typing in. So for us, we're looking at how many people are searching for this thing or what are they searching for and how many per month? And is it worth us making a video on this? Do we want to be shown for this? And this is, you know, if you're building it for your business, it's like, what do I want to show up for? When my potential clients or customers, when they've got pains, problems, questions, and they're going to Google or YouTube to search for them, Who's showing up and how do I make sure it's me? So one of the things that I've often wondered is if you use a tool like TubeBuddy or VidIQ, and for the listener, these are tools that you can use to try and help you optimize your YouTube channel a little bit and do some planning before you make a video. If you type in a search term, they'll tell you how many views per month and sort of give that key phrase that you're looking to build a video around a ranking of some kind. And if you were making a video, what number of monthly views would you be looking at for it to be one that you said yes to? Yeah, it's a really good question again. And I don't think we can just pick a number. I wish I could say it's 3,000 at a minimum or something like that. It's got to be in context with what else is out there and what do you want to show up for? So there's some videos where the numbers for us could be pretty high like video editing software, right? That's pretty broad. I think it has around 200,000 searches per month. So we can go more niche and go video editing software on Mac or on PC, on iOS, on Android. So we can almost use that phrase that we know that people want because humans are lazy. We're going to go to Google and start typing in video editing software or best video editing software, but which one are we actually going to click on? Just the one that's related to what we actually want. Like we might not actually type in Android, iOS, Mac, PC, but we're going to click on one of those. So this is where there is no sort of rule here as to smallest, biggest. First of all, I want to look at, do people actually want it? And I'm happy to show up for some of the more niche things as well. So some of the stuff that we we optimize for, for lower search would be things around email marketing, because that's a big piece of our business. But a lot of people aren't searching for that. But when they do, we want to show up for that. So it's about having the mix about the more broad search terms and, and the, the, the highest searched ones, but also some of the more niche topics as well. So another thing I would like to ask you is a lot of my listeners, they're not doing visible things. They, they'll typically sit at a desk all day. They're not necessarily influencer type that can go out and make lots of very appealing vlog type content. So if 
I was sort of put my hands up and say, you know what, Justin, I'm a bit boring and I really struggle to work out how can, how can I make my video interesting and engaging when I feel like I'm kind of boring? Because I think this is something a lot of people worry about. It's something that I struggled with for a little while as well. And I, I mean, even with a video background, I love making videos where it's, it's outside, where there's something interesting. And those were the videos I loved making for clients. I worked with a big wave surfer. I got to follow him around the world for a few years. I mean, that was awesome, like a travel vlog style content. But those videos, they take a lot of time. They take a lot of effort. And I looked at, like for, for us, we don't do any of that with, with ours. I'm literally just sitting or standing. The camera doesn't move, but you know what? It makes it so much easier to make the video. There's no setup. There's no pack up. And so to me, I needed to find the place where I could just turn on a light, turn on a camera, and I'm good to go. Making the video process easy because if it was too hard, too difficult, or there was a lot of work to do, I would procrastinate around it. And then I wouldn't actually move closer to the goal of what I wanted. So how, how you make your video content more appealing comes down to you fully understanding the topic that you, the, you know people want. So you're not just rambling on about three or four things that could be three or four different videos. If you know people searching for best video editing software on Mac, right? That's, we're just gonna talk about that. So then that's all you need to focus on. But then you play the game, all right, if I'm watching this video, what do the viewers need to see to fully understand what I'm saying, but also how do I make it more engaging than, than just looking at my face? So we play a game with our video editors and it's hi Justin's face. <laughs> so have me on screen as little as possible so that it is more engaging for people. So we're just using stock video footage. If it's not something that I need to actually, like if I'm talking about a product, right, we'll, we'll film the product and I'll hold it up and get a few different shots of it and we'll show those things, right? Because it's gonna, it's what the viewer will want to see in that case. But when it's another video and we're just talking about how to make money online or how to grow your YouTube channel, we're showing just generic stock footage that we're buying from places like Storyblocks. And it, it's, that's, it's enough that they can still hear what I'm saying and it will cut back and forth to me, but there's something more engaging or something that's changing all the time to make it interesting for your viewers. So B-roll or overlay footage is great. Just having things like animated titles, simple animated titles, you don't need to do anything crazy here. And, and most video editing software has these things built in, or you can buy templates and stuff really cheap to, to be able to create these fast and easy, but it's just some little bit of movement or even what we do in all of our videos is because the camera doesn't move. I will literally, whenever I make a mistake, which is all the time, I'm just zooming in on the shot a little bit, just to make it look a little bit different. And it's enough of a, a pattern interrupt for the viewers. The shot just changes a little bit. It looks like you're using two cameras. Right? It's a zoomed in shot and a wider shot. And just even just switching between those is so much better than just having a static shot, just not changing for the viewers. So there's so many little things that you can do to, to make your content engaging. You don't need to be running around you know, the seaside or some, some amazing landscape or creating cinematic B-roll of coffee, which seems to be a thing on <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> I mean, to me, I, I mean, I love coffee. I got one right now, but it's, uh, I don't, if I'm watching a how-to tutorial, I'm in the mindset of just tell me what to do, solve my pain or problem here. I don't need to see you making coffee. So that, that's just me. There are some awesome ideas and I've started doing some of that, but actually as I listen to you describing it, it makes so much sense. There's so much more that I could do. And I think this is, I think a barrier 
a lot of people have in the beginning is they make one video, they make the next video, and it just kind of looks like the last one. And I think the problem is it's it's what I find across a lot of content and a lot of social media is what's ordinary for you is amazing for someone else. Yeah. You will always look at your own content through the eyes of, and uh, yeah, it's like you've got these incredibly judgmental goggles on. Yeah. But you work with a lot of people on this journey. So I've picked up one potential hang-up people might have about their content in the early stages. But what are some of the other hang-ups that people have around making video and 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 putting the video out there? Because they're two different things. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of places where people get stuck. And I guess one of the biggest procrastination points is the tech. So people think that they have to have the latest and greatest camera or you know they, they won't start making videos until they go get this fancy camera. And then they may never actually make a video because they might not ever go get that camera or they'll go get that camera and then realize that this is really complicated. I have no idea how to use it. So they still don't make videos. They're no further along. So the tech is a big excuse. But even then, what we normally find is that there's probably more mindset things that get in the way once you get past the tech hurdle. Once you realize that you do actually have enough, that your phone or your webcam is going to be more than enough. Some of the biggest channels just use webcams and their phones. So if it's all right for them, it's going to be all right for you too, is then, you know, what do I actually say in the video? And my fear of judgment, and I, I don't want to look bad, or my 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 background, my studio doesn't look as nice as some of the others, or I, I'm not, you know, not happy with how I look, how I present, how I sound. I mean, I, I suffered a lot of the same stuff because I was a behind the camera person. I was a director, producer, cameraman, and never really had any goals to be in front of camera till we, we started this channel. And it's been a journey. Like the first few videos, if you want a good laugh, go and check out the early videos on our channel. <laughs> Probably even some of the more recent ones too. They're like I, I, the time I'm like, yeah, it, it scared the hell out of me. I, and, and today I, I like the outcome of having made the videos more than the process of making them. I like the impact that they can have for people. I like what it does for our business and how we're able to, to show up and help people with this stuff and, and how it does grow and scale. Like I love this stuff. I geek out on this stuff. But to, to me, the, the making of the video piece, I have to make that simple. How do we re, you know, remove everyone's excuses to, to just pressing record? And, and a lot of, there, there is a lot of hangups along the way, but most of them are our own self-judgment and, and pressure we're putting on ourselves to do it all in one take is one that we see all the time. Because you see these videos where everyone looks like they're doing everything really seamlessly. No, the amount of footage I give our editors versus a video, what we release on YouTube still today, you know, editing is there for a reason. So don't, don't put that pressure on yourself. There's only less than 1% of people that can press record and create a video in one take that is actually compelling and will work. So don't strive for that. Just have a few takes on your intro, a few takes on the, the next paragraph and just chunk it down, take your time and then piece it together. And ROI is something that we should probably look at because like we said at the beginning, getting into YouTube, playing this long game, people want to know that there's going to be a payoff in the long game because it's a big investment over time. And I often describe YouTube blog and podcast as like paying money into a high interest bank account. It takes a little bit of time for the compound interest to kick in. But when it does, you look back and think, ha, if wish everybody knew this. Yeah. But with the benefit of hindsight, that's easy to say. I mean, my YouTube channel is super small. I don't have that many videos, but the benefit that even that has brought me is tremendous. And I can only imagine 
what that continued investment is going to bring over the years. But it's very easy to say that looking back. And I think a lot of people, like I mentioned before, people who might think, oh, my business is a bit boring. I can't imagine how me making videos on YouTube could bring me business. I'll put it that way. Do you have any examples of what I'm making air quotes here, ordinary businesses that have been transformed through this long-term investment? Yes, I think it's a different way to look at it. So for for us, for example, I'll start there. Like there's different ways you can make money. Like YouTube itself can pay you. So unlike a lot of the other platforms out there, you, you can actually get paid from YouTube once you reach the the milestone of a thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours. And apparently they're dropping that now to a to a lower number. They haven't said what it is. But um you, you can actually make money just from YouTube itself, right? And and for a lot of people though, when they first reach that milestone, it's it's not a lot, right? It could be a few dollars. But it is something that does grow and scale over time. As I said, we've got videos that are coming up on eight years old. They're still getting thousands of views every day. And that's, you know, it, it compounds, it grows and scales. And so this is where for us now, like it's not a small amount that drops in our bank account every year. We have three revenue streams, just three. And we have a seven-figure annual business off the back of it. And that's why I'm so pumped to talk about this stuff. This is the stuff I wish I knew when we were starting, that it is possible to have this, to have the life that you want, to actually just be helping people and sharing stuff that you enjoy, having the conversations that you want to have, but actually having some real impact off the back of it too. So I think for someone looking to start to grow their business, business. So you've already like got, got a business online. Don't think small about it. This is one thing I see a lot of people get caught with is that YouTube's global. So by you trying to, I guess, grow your current business, especially if it's a brick and mortar business. Yeah. You could definitely use YouTube to get more people in the door to come and work with you one-on-one, but you could also use your YouTube channel to bring in other revenue streams, affiliate revenue. Maybe they're buying other products and things online that you're referring. That's, that's obviously going to help them as well. But th- there's there's other ways that you, that you can they can grow this. Like your your channel when it becomes more more viewed, then you could work with brands that you want to work with and get some sponsor deals, extra income that way. So it's not just about getting people in the door, but you can work really really well for that. My suggestion is to kind of take a step back and saying, look, if our goal here is to help people with this stuff. First off, how do we show up so that they find our videos? And then what, what other ways can we help people? And it doesn't need to be just you trading time for money with this. Affiliate revenue is the biggest piece of revenue in our business where I mention a product. And if someone buys, if they're you know looking for, for advice on best microphone or something like that, then that's where we receive a commission. But, but it, it's not... From, I mean, we, we don't do sponsor deals and those things. I, I, I'm not a big fan of those, but it is a great way to bring in revenue. Personally, I, I don't like the videos where it's like, hey, we're reviewing this microphone and the sponsor of this video is the company that makes the microphone. So uh, it's kind of, where's the line here? Yeah. Is he only going to tell me good stuff about this or not? So for us, we, we'd rather create a win-win-win scenario where we're able to to talk about the stuff that we love, that we know is going to help people. So it's a win for the viewer because we're helping them with a buying decision, helping them with the pain or problem that they have. It's a win for the company that we're recommending because we're not just sending them just random clicks. We're sending them qualified leads, people that are genuinely interested in their product. And that's where it becomes a win for us too because if they do sign up, if they do purchase, then you know if we're a part of their affiliate program if they have one then we we can receive a commission for that too so that's that's what we look for but i guess my takeaway here is 
there's other revenue streams. And that's what I see people miss when they first start out, especially using YouTube for business. Then their, their, their goal is just to focus on a really small market instead of, hey, no, how do I help people show up globally like, and help them with this? So our just a quick example, like our content, I know that young kids watch our content to start their YouTube gaming channels and those things. Now, those aren't our customer avatar. Those aren't our target audience, but it's awesome that pe- other people outside of our niche or outside of you know our, our audience there are, are able to have value in our content. And who knows if they're buying microphones and other things like that, which is bringing us in revenue. So it's not about just saying, these are my people and I'm only going to talk to these people. And I only want to show up in this specific region. I, I'd encourage you to think bigger because it can be a, a much bigger business from there. I think that's something that I experience a lot when I meet new clients is when they come to me, it's often because they want to do a little bit better in the business that they already have. Mm. And if you're listening and you're accustomed to doing business in a local business community and you think, I want to look at personal branding or marketing or because I want to do that, but better, you're missing the opportunity because it, it, it allows you to really elevate yourself way beyond that, that you can build a global business through content in in ways that you wouldn't imagine. It's really transformed my business and my life, that one little mindset shift. So an example that I have on that too, is I think it's perfect. Like, I mean, your, your example as a real estate agent. So we have quite a few real estate agents that go through our training and stuff. And you would think, right, how do they make money? Someone buying a house or selling a property, but super local, right? No, if they're thinking bigger and they're creating content around how do you find a good realtor, a real estate agent? What are the biggest mistakes people make when buying or selling a house? Even if they're not ever going to buy or sell using that specific agent or realtor, they can still add so much value. But then there's things like they're making YouTube ad revenue. They can have brand and sponsor deals. They could also have affiliate revenue if they recommend a, a tool or a product or a service or you know a company that they can get a commission or something through that way. But it's also going to help them with their Google local listing when people are searching for a real estate agent in their local area because Google owns YouTube. And so the two are tied really well together and your Google local listing will be promoted really close to the top if you are creating consistent content on YouTube as well. So there's so many different levels if you're thinking bigger than just, I only need to show up in my specific city or state. I had no idea that your Google local listing was tied to YouTube in any way. That's so smart. A lot of people need to know that. (laughs) So when it comes to actually making the video, there's a couple of things that often bug me and they come up in conversation all the time. And the first one is watch time versus video length. So it's great if you make a one hour video, great content. But if people are only watching the first minute of that, my understanding is from a YouTube algorithm perspective and a long-term success perspective, you're going to struggle. Whereas if you're making a one minute video and people are watching 55 seconds of it, potentially you're going to do much better. But balanced with that is obviously the goal of reaching monetization and your, your aggregate watch time is going to be much, much lower. So how do you advise people to approach this? Now for the average listener, it might be, what is he talking about? But for people who are active on YouTube, they know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, so I like the idea that the, I mean, the, the piece that stood out to me for that question, and I'll, and I'll get to it, is that the, um, the goal of reaching the YouTube monetization, it does change the strategy in a lot of people's minds. Like, what do I do now to quickly get to 1,000 subscribers, 4,000 hours so that I can start making that YouTube money? I would actually advise against 
that strategy? But a, a lot of people, like, it's a really good question. And a lot of people want to know the answer. Like, what do I do? That's my goal to get to that. Because as I said earlier, like, once you reach the thousand subscribers, 4,000 hours, that your, your most channels might be making a few dollars a month at that point. It's not until you, you kind of got a lot more traction a little later on that it really starts to kick in. So my strategy wouldn't be to focus on that. When you reach that milestone, awesome. And as I said, they're about to drop that number. I don't know how much they're dropping it, but the strategy would be thinking, what does YouTube want? YouTube wants time on platform. YouTube doesn't care if you're making hour long videos, if you're making five minute or one minute videos, it wants you to keep people on the platform. They don't care whose videos people are watching. They just want people on the platform. So for you, I would experiment with different types of content. If you're making a podcast, it might make sense to put your podcast on YouTube as well. But you need to understand that most people, very general, most people are coming to YouTube for short, sharp answers for things or to be entertained. So if they're in the headspace of, I'm just going to sit on the couch, chill out and watch some Netflix or YouTube and they go to YouTube, that's in a different frame of mind to someone, hey, I need to solve a specific pain or problem. <laughs> Just tell me the answer and they're like, are they going to click an hour podcast? Are they going to click a five-minute video or a two-minute video? But that five or two-minute video could link to a bigger podcast on the same topic once you've built that no like, and trust to them or once they liked your, your smaller video. Hey, if you like this, we actually, this is one small section of our full podcast where we dove deep into this. It's almost like a teaser for it, like a movie trailer for your, for your full live stream or podcast or long form content. So my suggestion here would be how do we, yes, watch time is important, but what's more important is viewer experience because a happy viewer that is having a good experience on YouTube is going to stick around and watch more content, which gives YouTube their session time, how long someone is on YouTube. So I don't worry too much about the length of time of a video. The video should be created around the viewer and the viewer expectation. So a video, in my opinion, should be as long as it needs to be and no longer especially if it's something that is targeted to a specific pain or problem, knowing what the audience actually wants. But it also needs to be in context of if a viewer assumes or is, is thinking that this, the outcome that they want is a quick thing, how to upload a video to YouTube. If you had a two-hour video on that and someone <laughs> thinks it's a really quick video, would they click it? Probably not. So we need to then go, all right, what is a reasonable amount of time that a viewer would click on this video and say, yeah, you know, five minutes, that might be a bit long, but maybe they'll cover everything in that or you know, 30 seconds and that's all I need to know. So it's, it's getting into that mindset of which would you click? What would a viewer click? And what do they actually need to know? And this is where really, really important in, in your video is how you're structuring your video. All of this ties together to give you watch time is that adding value, keeping the viewer in mind, is structuring your video in a way that people will want to stick around as long as they can in the video. So it's not about starting your video. Hey, it's Justin from Primal Video where we help you amplify your business and blah, blah, blah. We've done that. Those videos tanked because no one cares who I am. They just want to know, is this the right video for me? So you need to hook them in at the start of your video. In this video, I'm going to share with you the top five tips to help you edit your videos faster. Right. I know what this video is about. I know it, you know, and, and I'm in the right place. This is the one I clicked. It's matched. He said, he said, he's going to, he's going to say what the title said it is. It's not a clickbait video. I'm not going to waste my time. 
then we go on to the content from there. But it really comes down to the viewer. That's the most important piece. So make your videos as long as they need to be and no longer. If you find that your video content is dragging out and it's 25, 35 minutes, maybe you're covering too much in that. How could you chunk that down even smaller? So the longest video on our channel is 35 minutes. It is an editing tutorial. And that video has, I think, two or three million views. And it's okay to be that long because the viewer mindset is they want to learn. And if a video is that long for an editing tutorial, the people that are buying into it and committing to it, like they really want that outcome of being able to use that piece of editing software. But that's never my goal is to make a long video. My goal is always to make it as short, sharp, punchy as it can be. And yeah, it just so happens that most of the videos right now on our channel average 12 to 14 minutes. But every time I get them back from our editors, I'm looking to see what I can take out to make them shorter. And if there's nothing I can take out, I'm leaving that as a uh, you know, 12, 14 minute video. I wanna give the viewers everything that they need to have success with the video, to fully understand a concept or to solve their pain or problem without making them feel more confused or needing to go and watch another video afterwards. I want the video to be complete. That creates a good viewer experience. So my next question kind of follows on from that, and it really is centered around the question of live streams on YouTube. My perspective has always been, and it's probably flawed, for the same reason that a long video may not serve channel growth in the long term. Live streams, when they're left up on a channel, may not serve long-term channel growth. What is the correct way to think about live streams on YouTube? The beauty of YouTube is that you can have success so many different ways. But again, thinking of that viewer, the, the benefit in live streams really is when you're live because you get that real-time engagement. They can leave a comment. They can get that acknowledgement. Wow, he said my name or whatever. It's like that's people joined live streams for the live experience. So if you're watching the replay afterwards, you miss a lot of that. So what in general, I mean, you, you can have some live streams that take off and do really, really well. So you, you can be successful with that. But most people are going to click on a short, sharp video to solve their pain or problem or to be entertained outside of going to check out uh, a previous live stream that they've missed. So my strategy suggestion would be to, to play around, create your regular videos. And if you can and you want to, then go live as well to build that know, like, and trust, deepen that relationship with your audience. But it's more a hangout for them. It's more, it's more a connection point for them than necessarily a piece of content on your channel. Again, I want to preface that and say you, you can have success, but it, it, most people won't click a live stream after, say, two to three weeks, especially compared to a regular video. So if you're posting one nicely edited YouTube video a week that's maybe five to 10 minutes long, adding in a 30 to 40 minute live stream once a week isn't necessarily going to add to your channel at the beginning of your journey. We definitely could because YouTube does push live streams. So, I mean, I would always recommend wherever you can, even if you, when you first start out, you're going live to no one, just have some made up questions that you can answer. So you've got something to talk to, but, and again, come from that place of adding value. Who, who do I want to help with this? What can, what are the biggest pains, problems I can answer in this? All right. So I would definitely suggest to do it if, if you've got the bandwidth for it, but if, push comes to shove and you're, 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 you're overwhelmed or whatever, I would be dropping the live stream and just focusing on one video a week or one video every other week, if that's what's possible for you. Some videos do take 
time to make. You know, especially if you're making something, if you're crafting something, it could take a few weeks. So you want to be consistent, but you you want to do what's workable for you. Then you know, some of the biggest channels only upload once a month. I wouldn't recommend that unless, again, it took you a long time to make those videos. I'd much rather see you learn faster by doing and and doing this research and creating something that people actually want, going through the motions, taking the feedback, looking at the analytics and see how did a video do? What can we pull out of that and say, oh, this worked and this this might not have. What can we do for the next video to, to tweak and adjust and evolve and grow over time? But that that's really the game. So live streams, we don't do too many of them. There's no real reason why we don't. It's just it's just another thing that we could do. There's always things that we could do, but the thing yeah. we've found drives the most without driving overwhelm and, and adding to my to-do list and everything is just, just one YouTube video a week. And, and we are consistent with that. Um, we're filming them in batch. We're filming them in bulk. You know, When we're researching, we're doing multiple videos at a time. I press record. I'm going to do multiple videos at a time. So it's never a stressful thing. My last question, I think, for me, it's the biggie because I noticed that when I play with my thumbnails, the videos start to perform differently. And I have a bit of a conundrum and you can maybe help me with this or offer a challenge. And a lot of people will identify with this, I think. There seems to be a school of thought that the more colorful and cringy a thumbnail is, the better it will perform. So how do you strike the balance between brand and dignity and a thumbnail that's going to perform really, really well and get the clicks? Okay. It's a very good question. I love it. So I mean, I want to start somewhere first and say, okay, there's three things you need to do to be successful on YouTube. Your thumbnail strategy, your thumbnails are very important, but there's three things. If you're not hitting these three things, then your videos aren't going to perform. You need to focus on creating content that people want, which we, we talked about earlier. And so this is where doing the research. Right? So if, if you know that people want this stuff, it's going to make it very, uh, it's going to make it much easier for YouTube to understand what the content is about, especially if you, you, you've, you've nailed the title, lining it up with what people would be searching for. So doing some keyword research or some topic research. So you want to create something that can actually show up on the platform that people want and that YouTube can understand so that it can find an audience for them, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is you need to get a click. So your thumbnail strategy, super important. If you've got the world's best video, no one is going to see it if it doesn't show up somewhere for them to click and then it doesn't get clicked, right? Sounds very simple. But the third piece then is once you've got them clicked, you need to keep them watching, which is what we were just talking about. So yes, your thumbnail strategy is so important. For our thumbnail images, I wish it didn't work this way. But uh, <laughs> I but can it see does, where this is going. Right? So I feel like an idiot doing it. But at the end of recording a video, I leave the camera recording. So we're strategic with this and I would, I would uh, don't, don't try to find an image at the end of your video when it's all recorded to try and find that perfect freeze frame piece where you're not smiling or half smiling, not talking, you know, just leave your camera running and just pose, smile, point, pull silly faces, do whatever you got to do to grab people's attention to let them know what your video is about. Like the best case scenario with your thumbnail image is that someone can look at it and they can say, I know what that video is about. And yeah, that's for me or it's not. Like your videos aren't for everyone, right? So we just want to make sure the right people are clicking our videos because the right people will want to keep watching in the videos. So we've got the wrong people clicking our videos. They'll, they'll, they'll click on it, which will count as a view. They'll start watching the video and then they'll leave. And YouTube's like, hang on, maybe this video is bad. 
or maybe it's bad for this type of viewer that has a similar viewing history. So we want to make sure that we're showing up for the right people, that the right people are clicking our video. But yes, you need to grab their attention. So I wish that our thumbnail images performed better without my face on them, without me pulling a silly face or my hands out to the side, shrugging my shoulders going, which is the best editing software? I don't know. Or <laughs> pulling an, oh my gosh, face. I can't believe this software exists. Or I wish that didn't work, but we've tested it. And this is where for those of you that do want to be really strategic with this stuff, which I would recommend, and it doesn't need to be straight away, but at some point down the track, if you're serious about growing on YouTube, you, there are tools out there like TubeBuddy which lets you A-B split test your thumbnail images as you can with your email marketing and split testing different subject lines and seeing which emails open more. You can do exactly the same with the thumbnail images of your videos as well. So that's something where we spend a fair bit of time on uploading different versions of the thumbnail images and seeing which one actually does get clicked more. And the crazy thing is, it's really never the one that I think is the nicer looking, the prettier looking thumbnail. So it doesn't, we could speculate all day. We could think that our thumbnails are fantastic, but are they actually getting clicked? And could we put a different thumbnail in place, which will actually get clicked more? So you think of this and go, even if I was able to improve this one or 2%, so it gets clicked one or 2% every single day for the life of the video, that could be massive. And we've had some where we've tested them and the increase has been above 90%. So the, uh, a different thumbnail has got clicked 90% more when it's shown than an original thumbnail. So this is where we, yeah, we could guess, we could speculate all day. And this is where I am beyond the piece. Like I still feel like an idiot doing it, pointing, pulling silly faces, but it does work. And this is where I'm okay with doing that if it means that people will watch the video, if it means that they'll click on the video and get to see it. Because again, you could have the world's best video. If no one clicks on it, no one's going to see it. So you need to be playing around with your thumbnail images to see what is going to show up, what is going to grab their attention, what is going to look good small. Because a, a lot of people are viewing your content on a mobile device. If you've got too much text on there, it's going to be too hard for them to read. If you've got really cursive font, it's too hard. They'll click on another one. It's that, it's, it's that crazy. People's attention spans when they're picking which video to watch it's, it's really fast. So bright colors, to answer your question, yeah, it can work, but it's also, there's no real formula here because it comes down to what other images, what other videos, thumbnail images, what's shown in context to the video that you've just created. So each individual video, you could even run that search. So if it's best editing software on Mac, go to YouTube, search for it, and just see what types of thumbnail images are showing up. And if they are really dark colors, then yeah, I'd be pushing for something bright colored so that mine stood out. So it's in context of what else is shown around it for that topic or for, or for that niche. That's a really good answer. Not the answer I was hoping for. <laughs> what else were you hoping for? <laughs> You've been extremely generous with your time and with the information and I've learned a lot. And when I learn a lot, I can be comfortable and confident that the listeners learned a lot. So I kind of feel I've done my job. I am always curious when I meet people whose businesses are at the level yours are at, where you come across as competent, confident and experienced and everything just seems to be cruising. I know that's never the truth. I really am always interested to know where do these people struggle? So which part of your business do you find the most challenging at the moment? That is a very good question. I think the game for us really is 
I would say that nothing is ever perfect. There is always room for improvement across the board. So this is something that we've kind of, and I say we, because it's my brother, Mike and I, we started this business eight years ago. We do have a team now. And this is something that we ingrained into the team as well, is that we, we want them to, to be the scientists. We want them to always be trying and testing stuff, knowing that there is always a next level on what we're doing. So we, we want people to be enjoying what they're doing. So we've always got to find the fun. The moment that we're losing the fun in anything we're doing, like if, what's the book? I think it's called Yes or No. If, if, it's, not a, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Right? All of these sorts of things we, we run as filters in the business, but know that there's always a next level. So I think across the board, yeah, we're still making mistakes. We're still learning stuff across everything. But it's, it's what can we do better next time? So I, what I would urge people to do is, is, is just constantly debrief with yourself. Even after you've just created your first video, the most recent video, what could I have done better? What went well? What didn't go well? And this is where there, there's always a next level. The scariest thing for me that I see is when we have this, you know, we get this question a lot. It's like everything is, I'm doing everything right. Why is it not working? And it's a harsh answer, but if you were doing everything right, it would be working. <laughs> And you know, you don't want to come across as an asshole at that point, but it's like there's always a better thumbnail. There's always a better title or whatever. But this is not to get caught up in that. You want to do the best you can and move forward, right? Create the next video. Don't get caught up in your analytics. Don't get caught up in, in uh, you know, watching this. Treat, treat a new video as, as a baby, right? You've just given birth. Your, your video is out. Let it grow up a bit. We won't touch a video for three months. We do the best we can up front and we leave it. If we're going in there, we're changing stuff, we're tweaking, adjusting stuff, we're worried about things, we're changing thumbnails too early, we're moving the goalposts for YouTube. It's like, well, you, YouTube thought the title was this, now it's this and what's, you know. You, so you, you want to give yourself some breathing space. It's going to take the pressure off as well uh, so that you can have more fun with this. But also know that there's always a next level. So if you're striving for that with atomic habits, 1% improvement every time across everything, that's the game for me. I like games. I need, I need something to be exciting and, and you know, always pushing. And, and that's what I strive for. So in terms of your question, like it's, it's everything. Everything can be leveled up all of the time. That's a brilliant answer. So Justin, if people want to connect with you, if they want to go further with you in their YouTube journey, how can they do that? I would definitely suggest checking out our YouTube channel, which is Primal Video, or our website, primalvideo.com. And yeah, we help people with the video creation, with the then getting views and eyeballs and impact on it through to the monetization. And I always have to ask this question, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? I wish I had adopted that mindset earlier of the trying, testing, the failing, learning, the, you know, the 1% improvement, that nothing is perfect. That way there's no ego that comes into anything as well. But I think also really being strategic with what you're doing, just doing things, just going through the motions uh, of just, I'll just put a video out for the algorithm or I haven't uploaded this week, let's quickly create something to put out. No, you're better off not uploading. YouTube's not going to fire you. You're not employed by YouTube. In, you know, it, it's, it really is. You're, you're better off putting your best foot forward. So take the time, be strategic, do some quick research, see what people actually want that's a fit for the content you want to show up for. And don't worry if there's other people out there that are already 
making the videos that you want, already have the outcome that you want. If we see a lot of people stuck there. It's like, I can't do this. There's already so many channels that are making these videos. Hey, I would want to say that I've probably in one of the, the most competitive niches out there of people talking about video stuff and then talking about how to grow on YouTube on YouTube, but there's always room for more. There's always no one else out there like you with the same thoughts, opinions, same experience, same knowledge, and your personality in there. We're, we're all unique, and everyone will bring something different. So if you're seeing that there's other people out there that are creating the videos for you, that is a great thing, especially if it's working for them. It shows you that people want that content and that, yeah, there's people want your thoughts and opinions too. And that's a really important place to bring it to an end. I think your people want to hear it from you. Yeah. Justin, you have been an awesome guest. I've had great fun. There's so much more you can probably tell that I could have asked. If, if it's all right, I'd love to have you back sometime. But for now, thank you so much for your time. No, let's do it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate, uh, yeah, the, the invite on here. And yeah, let's, let's do it again sometime. I had a ball. So that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you to you for listening. And if you did enjoy the show, I would encourage you gently to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and to share the show with just one person. And if you did enjoy the show, then you'll love the Personal Brand Business Roadmap. It's 100% free as a gift from me. It's 30 pages of everything you'll need to start, scale, or just fix your expert business. Click or tap the link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.